Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. In my life, I have not had a lot of exposure to office politics and intrigue. Probably the one incident that comes close to office intrigue was one of my first jobs. I was working in New York City at a company, and we were having a meeting with a potential client. Now, at this point, I was very junior in the company, junior in a company of not many people, and I was asked to sit in in this meeting and to pretend that I was a bit higher ranking than I actually was. This charade actually accompanied a trip to Macy's where I was bought a shirt and tie to wear in the meeting as my costume. The meeting started and I was introduced. The head of the company started giving his presentation, lasted maybe 15 minutes. He ended, said, do you have any questions? And the woman across the way from me turned to me and asked me a question that I didn't have any clue how to answer. And it wasn't even a question that would be specifically about the position they were pretending I was in. Instead, it was a question about the presentation that had just happened. I think she might have noticed that I was not paying attention to that presentation at all. I sort of stammered a little, and then my boss came in and saved me, sort of. He also kind of gave me a very dirty look, and then after the meeting, I was stripped of my shirt and tie and sent back to my cubicle. I think as a kid, I dreamed of what an office would be like. And this was before the internet and computers. All of my business thought revolved around the movies and TV shows I saw. And the movie I got most of my ideas about office intrigue was The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. Unfortunately, watching a movie did not really prepare me for the reality of office intrigue. I couldn't even pay attention to a short 15-minute presentation. There was no chance that I was going to ever be able to orchestrate a takeover of an entire company. Now, I guess I was okay with that, and I learned from the experience. Still, it would have really been cool to have been the hero of the meeting and maybe answered that question and maybe answered some others, and then maybe by the end of that week, I would have been the vice president of the company and on my way to bigger and better things. That experience never happened to me, but I will always have the experience of watching a great movie like The Secret of My Success, where I could relive the fantasy over and over again of office intrigue and politics and quickly climbing up the corporate ladder in the Big Apple. On today's show, we're going to talk about the movie The Secret of My Success with Michael J. Fox. We'll talk about the people behind and in front of the camera, talk a little bit about the plot, we'll talk about its reception, where you can find The Secret of My Success today, and we'll throw in a couple of surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show.
Now, if you've seen the Secret of My Success movie poster or DVD, you'll notice it's the Secret of My Success with the second S in success as a dollar sign. I'm not sure why they did that. Maybe it's because there is a 1965 film called The Secret of My Success, which is unrelated to this film. If you want to see a movie that is similar to The Secret of My Success, you might want to check out the 1967 film How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which is about a window washer who gets a how-to book on business and climbs the corporate ladder. Some similarities, but some differences. The film was directed and produced by Herbert Ross. Herbert Ross was a American film director, producer, an actor, passed away in 2001, got his start on the stage. He then did choreography before moving on and directing films. And as it turns out, he directed a lot of the movies in the 80s that I really enjoyed. In addition to The Secret of My Success, he directed Max Dugan Returns, Footloose, and Protocol. Then later in the 90s, he would direct a film that I think is underrated, My Blue Heaven. The story is written by A.J. Carruthers, and the screenplay is credited to Carruthers, Jim Cash, and Jack Epps Jr., A.J. Carruthers was probably best known for some of his work with Disney. Jim Cash, who was Jack Epps Jr.'s partner, they're probably best known for their work on The Secret of My Success and the hit film Top Gun. They would also write Turner and Hooch, Dick Tracy, and Anaconda. The Secret of My Success was filmed in New York City and had dozens of locations. It's a real fun movie to watch, sort of like Crocodile Dundee is fun to watch if you were ever in New York in the 80s, spotting some of the signage and the sort of ambience of 80s New York. It's especially enjoyable when it's done a little bit more lighthearted and not terrifying like some movies painted New York at the time. Today's show is brought to you by your local men's clothing store. Need a smart business suit to lay on the corner office? Why not drop by your local men's clothing store? Gotta love those men's clothing stores. Just a quick overview of the plot of The Secret of My Success. It is about a character named Brantley Foster, who is played by Michael J. Fox, who is a very well-educated kid from Kansas, who wants to go make it big in the business world in New York City. Things don't work out for Brantley when he moves there, and he is forced to try to get a job from his distant uncle, Howard Prescott, who runs a huge million-dollar company. He does land a job, but it's not the one he dreamed of. Instead, it's in the mailroom. He meets Christy Wills, played by Helen Slater, and starts to fall in love with her. At the same time, he has decided that he doesn't like the way the company's being run, and he creates a new position in the company because he's in the mailroom. He can pull the strings as Carlton Whitfield. There he decides to use his position to try to influence and make the company better. There's a lot of misunderstandings and a couple of love triangles going on between Brantley and his aunt and Helen Slater and his uncle, the guy who runs the company, and he's got a buddy in the mailroom trying to help him out. We find out in the end that Howard's a jerk and that the real owner of the company is his Aunt Vera. And together, they are going to take the company back. Will they do it? You'll have to watch and find out. Now let's talk a little bit about the cast of The Secret of My Success. Michael J. Fox played Brantley Foster and the mysterious Carlton Whitfield. Michael J. Fox, born in 1961, is probably best known for his work on 
TV in Family Ties as Alex P. Keaton, and in movies as Marty McFly in the Back to the Future trilogy. Fun fact about Michael J. Fox, the initial J in his name doesn't stand for anything. His birth name is Michael A. Fox, Andrew Fox, but when he was registering his name with the Screen Actors Guild, there was already a Michael Fox in the Guild, so he didn't want to register just Michael A. Fox, because Michael A. Fox sounds like Michael A. Fox, like a play on words. Instead, he chose J as an homage to the actor Michael J. Pollard. Fox has Parkinson's disease and is currently back on television, and he's a big activist in the fight against Parkinson's disease. There's another movie from the 80s where Michael J. Fox plays the sort of yuppie character from Kansas, and that film is 1988's Bright Lights, Big City, which is a much darker film. They should never be confused. Helen Slater played Christy Willis. She's a songwriter, actress, might be best known for her work in the 1984, I want to say flop, Supergirl, where she played Superman's Kryptonian cousin. She would later appear in movies like Ruthless People and City Slickers. She was not actually the first choice to play the role. Christy McNichol was director Herbert Ross's original choice, but because she had some difficulties with manic depression at that point, they feared that she might be difficult to work with, and she was replaced with Slater, who was much taller than Michael J. Fox, and they said it was difficult to do some of the kissing scenes because they had to do a lot of height adjusting for Fox and Slater. Richard Jordan played Howard Prescott. Jordan, who passed away in 93, was a screen, television, and stage actor, very accomplished, was in some great movies in a short while, Vic Sage will be back to talk a little bit more about Richard Jordan in Why Should I Know This Person. Margaret Witten played Vera Pemrose Prescott. Witten was born 1950, stage, screen, TV actress. For fans of movies, she's probably best known for her role in the 1989 film Major League, where she played the Indians baseball team owner Rachel Phelps. It's a great role, very funny. She would also appear in National Lampoon Goes to the Movies, Love Child, and Nine and a Half Weeks. Down in the mailroom, Brantley had a ally in Fred Melrose, played by John Panko. Panko was born in 1957. He's probably best known to modern audiences for his seven-season portrayal as Ira Buckman on the NBC sitcom Mad About You. Fred Gwynn played Donald Davenport. Frederick Hubbard Gwynn was born in 1926, passed away in 1993. He's probably best known for his work in Car 54, Where Are You? and The Monsters. He would also appear in movies later in life, like The Secret of My Success. He would appear in Pet Cemetery, The Cotton Club, and My Cousin Vinny. Rounding out the cast, we had Drew Snyder as Burt Foster, Elizabeth Franz as Grace Foster, Gary Bauman as Art Thomas, Christopher Murney as Barney Radigan, Cindy Crawford as herself, and Carol Ann Soucy as Jean. Carol Ann Soucy has a ton of acting credits, but she's probably best known to modern audiences as the voice of Mrs. Wallowitz in the television series The Big Bang Theory. So if you're a fan of that show and you want to see what Mrs. Wallowitz looks like, you can look online or you can watch The Secret of My Success. Hi friends, Vic Sage here with Why Should I Know This Person? In this time, we are taking a look at The Secret of My Success co-star, Richard Jordan. Born Robert Anson Jordan Jr. on July 19, 1937, in New York City, New York, 
He was born into a prominent family and took pride in that he was the grandson of Learned Hand, a judge and judicial philosopher who it has been said is the most quoted lower court judge by legal scholars in the Supreme Court of the United States. Jordan was educated in private schools and then at Hotchkiss, a prep school in Lakeville, Connecticut. It was there that Jordan caught the acting bug when he played the lead in the school's production of Mr. Roberts. Jordan then secured a spot at the Shelbourne School in England as an exchange student and upon graduation was accepted into Harvard. It was at Harvard Jordan took on the duties of both actor and director and decided he would become a professional actor. After graduating Harvard, Jordan made a name for himself in his Broadway debut in 1961's Take Her, She's Mine, where he co-starred with Art Carney, Elizabeth Ashley, and Haywood Hale Brown. The show was a hit and Jordan delivered 404 performances. It was 10 years later in 1971 when Jordan would land his first motion picture role in Lawman, where he would co-star with Burt Lancaster, Robert Ryan, and Robert Duvall. In the same year, he would once again co-star with Burt Lancaster in Valdez's Coming, as well as appearing in Clute in an uncredited role as Man Kissing Jane Fonda. Jordan continued to appear on Broadway and TV during this time with roles on such series as Ben Casey, The Defenders, The FBI, and Kojak. In 1975, Jordan co-starred with John Wayne in Rooster Cogburn, before landing the sympathetic villain role of Francis in 1976's Logan's Run. In 1978, he appeared in Woody Allen's interiors alongside Diane Keaton and Geraldine Page. In 1984, he was cast as Paul Atreides' best friend and teacher, Duncan Idaho, in David Lynch's cult classic film adaptation of Dune. And in 1985, he would appear in The Mean Season, and a year later in both The Men's Club and Solar Babies. In 1987, Jordan would appear in The Secret of My Success, as well as a 10-episode run on The Equalizer as Harley Gage, a fellow Equalizer and friend to Edward Woodward's Robert McCall. In 1990, Jordan appeared in the hit film The Hunt for Red October. And in 1993, he was cast as Brigadier General Louis A. Armistead in the film Gettysburg. Jordan sadly passed away in 1993 due to a brain tumor. Instead of my usual sign-off, I will leave you with a quote from Jordan, an actor that I greatly admired. He once stated, If you take it that the poet has words, the novelist a story, the painter his paints, then my material is emotions. Emotions are what I paint with. The film opened on April 10, 1987, and it was number one at the box office when it opened, and would take in $7.8 million in its opening weekend. It stayed at number one for five weeks, and then it was in the top ten for two months. It was the seventh highest grossing film in the United States for 1987, outgrossing Robocop, Lethal Weapon, Dirty Dancing, and Predator. In total that year, it would make $110.9 million dollars. Some of the films that were in theaters the same time as The Secret of My Success were Police Academy 4, which finished number 2, a reissue of Disney's The Aristocats, Blind Date, and Lethal Weapon. I was looking at this chart of all the films that came out that year, and I can remember being in the theater and seeing a lot of these films. It was amazing, the films that my mother would take me to, because I think I went to see The Secret of My Success with my sister because we always went and saw Michael J. Fox films together. But I went and saw Raising Arizona with my whole family for some reason. I'm glad I did. I just don't know why we went and saw Raising Arizona. I don't remember my mother being a Coen Brothers fan or talking about how wonderful Nicolas Cage was. We just went and saw Raising Arizona, which had come out five weeks before The Secret of My Success. 
I know that's a strange aside. It just struck me as weird. In addition to being a great movie, The Secret of My Success also has a wonderful soundtrack. The soundtrack came out when the movie came out, and it was produced by David Foster, who contributed several instrumental tracks to the album. And supposedly there was music contributed by John Williams that was unused, which I, when I read blew my mind and then couldn't find any more information about it. So the soundtrack is good, but not all the music that you hear in the movie is in the soundtrack, which bummed me out. There's also a couple of changes to some of the songs in the soundtrack versus what you heard in the movie. The film version of the song, The Secret of My Success, is different. In the film, they use I Burn For You, and in the movie, it doesn't have any vocals, but in the soundtrack, it does. And The Restless Heart from the film has a different title and different lyrics than the soundtrack version. Two songs that did not appear on the soundtrack are Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, which figures pretty prominently into the film, and more importantly, Oh Yeah by Yellow. You know, Oh Yeah, Day Bow Bow, Oh, you know that song? It's in the film, it's a very important part of the film, but oddly enough, it does not appear on the official soundtrack. Had to seek that out from different sources. After these messages, we'll be right back. Keebler presents the appealing taste of baked potato skins in a crunchy chip. Potato skins got baked potato appeal because they're made with potatoes and skins that are real. The Keebler elves make potato skin snack chips with real potatoes and skins. Cheddar cheese and bacon, sour cream and chives, tasty baked potato. And they finally got barbecue flavor too. They're made with potatoes and skins that are real. Potato skins Keebler, baked potato appeal. Hi. I just moved in next door. Could I borrow a Diet Pepsi? Sure. Be right with you. When you go all out for taste, the taste to go out for is Diet Pepsi. You okay in there? Here's your Diet Pepsi. Thanks. I hope it wasn't too much trouble. No trouble at all. Diet Pepsi, the choice of a new generation. And now, back to the show. Where could you find The Secret of My Success today? On DVD. Oddly enough, it has not gotten a Blu-ray release yet, and I didn't see it on anybody's schedule in the next few months. I can't imagine that at some point it won't happen. If you have various subscription streaming services, the film occasionally pops up there, so if you're a fan and you're not in a rush to see it, just keep checking. From time to time, it shows up on Netflix or Amazon. This was a huge hit of a film, and when the dust cleared, a sequel was proposed for the film, but was never made. I tried to track down what the details of that sequel would have been, but I guess it never got to that point. I think they just saw this film as majorly successful. Michael J. Fox is a huge star. Let's make a sequel. Maybe it's good that a sequel wasn't made, Perhaps you don't want to try to capture lightning in a bottle twice. Still, part of me wishes I could have seen the further adventures of this crew as they went on to take over the company, and then I don't know what they would have done after that, take over a country. I'm not sure what the sequel would have been. Probably not as good as the original. So it's probably good they didn't do it. Although if it was on HBO, I would have watched that sequel a whole lot and probably would be talking about it right now very fondly. Sometimes I think it's good when a movie is enjoyable and they plan a sequel and then it never happens. Because, as you know, sequels don't always work out. 
And what would it have led to? The Secret of My Success trilogy? Or much like Ghostbusters, would we be left with a part two and then a part three that would have gone off into infinity, never to happen? Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. Thanks to Vic Sage for another great Why Should I Know This Person. If you have feedback for Vic, you can email him at vicsage at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Beautiful. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.